Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. So not only are we fully integrated with their two great platforms, Auth.net and uh, CyberSource, but now we actually partnered up with Visa to allow consumers really to just transact with their cell phone numbers. That was Larry Talley, founder and CEO of Everywhere, and he is our special guest this week. This is episode 92 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. And hey, before we get started, if you happen to office in Houston, Austin, or North Texas, check out Fuse Workspace, where their mission is to help others do more. Check them out at FuseWorkspace.com. Okay, back to the show. Larry grew up in New York and has been on his own since the early age of 14. He left New York and joined the Navy, where he saw 30 countries before the age of 21. He now resides in Austin, Texas, with his wife and three sons. Everywhere was formed to solve problems around payments by leveraging communications, meaning text messaging. They allow businesses and consumers to interact and transact via text messaging on their own time. They are integrated with all of the main acquirers and sell primarily to ISVs. They are in several verticals, including travel, healthcare, nonprofit, restaurants, retailers, field services, and more. Larry believes crypto will become a preferred payment method in the next few years, and he has some great insights into the future of payments. We've got a great episode today, so let's get started. Hi, Larry. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Hey, great to be here, Greg. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. So let's dive right in. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I actually grew up in New York. I was actually uh, pretty much actually, uh, actually a, a hard life. Grew up in boys' homes, if you can believe it, but uh, got a very young start in life and been on my own since I was actually 14. So at a young age, I had to figure out how to make it happen. And from there, I actually uh, joined the military. I think that's probably was my ticket out of there. So I uh, left New York and joined the Navy. And, you know, I haven't really been back to, you know, since. So uh, it's all about my childhood and being in the Navy kind of, it's one of the few chances to get out and see the world. Okay. And where all did you go in the Navy? So I'd say, you know, I'd like to at least brag about being able to go to about 30 different countries before I turned 21. And I would say about 23 of those countries allowed me to drink, which was pretty cool at a young age, I guess, when you're like 18 years old and you can't drink in the U.S., but it's okay to drink elsewhere. And uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I went to a lot of countries and experienced quite a bit before I turned 21. And some of those countries include like Israel and Turkey and Africa and France and Italy. So uh, definitely at a young age, got uh, exposed to a lot very fast. Okay. And where do you currently live? So currently I live in Austin, Texas, and I've been here about two and a half years now, and I absolutely love it. Before here, I came from Florida, where I uh, relocated. Okay. What part of Florida were you in? So I was actually in Boca Raton, Florida, and being in Boca Raton, Florida, I always like to ask people, like, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Boca Raton, Florida? What comes to mind, I think, Greg, for you? If you think about Florida, Boca Raton. Uh, the beach. The beach. Yeah, that's a good one. And, you know, so trying to grow a, you know, a technology company in Boca Raton, Florida, where most people think about either, you know, retirees or the beach is probably for all the reasons why I actually uh, relocated here to Austin to build a tech company. Yeah. Well, Austin's a great place for that. Yeah. No, we absolutely love it here. And my wife, who grew up in Florida, always 
she never thought about everything, anything to do with Texas. She always just visualized it as being flat desert and tumbleweeds and all that yeah. good stuff. <laughs> so there was no way I was going to convince her to move to, to Austin. Yeah, I could tell you that, you know, back then. And fortunately though, I found a lake here in Austin, you know, we're surrounded by hill country and beautiful lakes. And it was uh, definitely an eye opener to Texas. Good, good. Well, let's discuss the company everywhere. So tell the audience what you guys do there. Yeah, so everywhere I can think of, uh, what does it look like when Stripe and Twilio have a baby? You know, I can think about, you know, everywhere is born to solve problems around payments by utilizing communication. So we found that with text messaging tied to a payment transaction, we can not only mitigate risk. In other words, you can always text somebody immediately when the transaction happens to confirm it. Or better yet, with two-way text messaging, you can provide a better customer service. So that way you can text back on your own time. And it really, that's what Everywhere does. It allows you know businesses and consumers to interact and transact really on their own time. And you know how tough it is when you pick up the call and you're on the phone with someone. For one, you can't answer another call or you, know, you have to hang up on someone. So being able to manage multiple text messages conversations is huge. Yeah. So, yeah. So we think of ourselves as a, if we were going to build a payments company in 2021, what would it look like? What would it do? And text messaging by far has become a preferred method. And it's just great to see how it now is part of a payment transaction. Okay. And how big is the company? Yeah. So the company itself actually was pretty small. Myself being a tech guru and developing software for about 20 years, I always felt like, what would it be like to build a unicorn or a billion dollar company with less than 50 people by utilizing technology to solve problems much faster than humans could? And so for everything that we do, we try to automate as much as possible and then be as efficient as possible as well to keep our costs and our overhead down. So yeah. So very young company. We do pretty big numbers, but again, doing it with uh, still less than 30 people today. Okay. And what typical markets do you serve? It's definitely challenging with a name like everywhere. It's hard to focus it in on one particular vertical. And if I did, I'd probably have to change the name. But just to kind of rattle off a, a few verticals that we specialize in. One is a big one for us is healthcare. You know, healthcare whether it's reminding you of your upcoming appointment or giving you the ability to pay in advance for your copay or uh, collecting money when it's due, you know, 30 to 45 days later. That's a big hot market for us. Travel has been a really big market for us in the sense that we were more or less a, a crisis management platform throughout COVID that really allowed all these travel companies to move reservations around. So it was great to see the platform being able to use more like a 911 platform to help prevent chargebacks and refunds and cancellations from rolling in. So, you know, the hospitality and travel sector has definitely been really big. And then we uh, support like nonprofits. So, and again, throughout COVID, it was a great platform for programs like text to give where you can simply just text the word given and our system would ask you, you know, how much would you like to give to this local church? So being able to support the nonprofits and being able to help them still have a voice, again, when you're not able to congregate, was pretty powerful. Restaurants for curbside deliveries, for stores and retailers. Text communication is definitely, by far, it's going to be here long after COVID, I can tell you that. I mean, curbside, I don't plan on ever walking into a store again. <laughs> not when right. I like, open my trunk and can just set it in. So, yeah, those are just, you know, quite a few. But, you know, we're in auto and 
field services for anything from pest control to your pool guy. So uh, truly trying to develop a platform that really works everywhere with a number of different great use cases. So maybe if you can explain how the payment side of the text messaging works. Yeah, so for the most part, initiated would happen, uh, again, to replace like a card being given over the phone. So for instance, and I'll just use your doctor's office today. Basically, if they ask you for a credit card over the phone, chances are somebody's writing it down on a piece of paper. Now they'll just fire off a text message to your cell phone. And as a consumer, you can complete the transaction on your own device, including even signing on your own device to complete the transaction. And better yet, once your card is now saved in the network, in the Visa Vault, you can actually now just reply yes to a transaction. And the card will actually get charged on file by simply replying the word yes to a payment. So maybe the first time around, you had to click on a secure payment link to get your uh, card saved on file. But the next time around, you can just simply reply yes and the transaction will go through. So that's just a, you know, a simple use case of how the system was being designed. Another great use case is like paying at the table. I mean, the fact that we're actually still signing pieces of paper at a table in 2021, it seems so, you know, so old. Now, most places, they actually for your cell phone number anyway. And now they'll just text the, you know, right, the receipt right to your phone and you can split it or sign it and transact on your own device and have the history saved and not to worry about a receipt. You know, it has everything stored on your device. So again, just so much some great use cases of how we've really just simplified the payment experience and just made it a little bit more convenient for the consumer. Okay. And you mentioned it's also used for communication. So sort of how much is it for communication versus payments? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So uh, I would probably say that for the most part, for certain verticals, they're simply sending out in replace of mail these transactions to collect through text messaging. And I would probably say about 75% of the people just pay without ever texting back a question. But then you have a good portion, say about 25%, that actually you know, have a problem or a question regarding you know, their bill. Or, you know, something that, again, they, maybe they want to schedule a new appointment for their doctor's office. So being able to not only um, provide a, a mechanism for collecting money, but on your own time, being able to text back that business and not having to talk to someone. So I would say about 25% of the time, they're messaging back and forth. And about 75% of the time, they're really just collecting. Okay. Okay. And you mentioned earlier Visa. I think you guys recently had an announcement about something with Visa. Do you want to share what that was? Yeah. So not only are we fully integrated with their two great platforms, Auth.net and uh, Cybersource, but now we actually partnered up with Visa to allow consumers really to just transact with their cell phone numbers. And then Visa basically stores all this information in the Visa Vault. And what this does is basically... It's helping to challenge all the other ways that are making it convenient to pay. So you think about Google Pay, Apple Pay, Venmo, Cash App. These are applications that go around the major car brands like Visa, American Express, and Discover. So it's all about convenience. So what we've done now is use technology like tap to pay, what you're seeing on your card. And we basically package that up with just your cell phone number. So that way you can actually go into a business, provide just your cell phone number. Now, of course, they got to text your device to make sure you're okay with this transaction, but you don't have to pull a card out of your wallet. 
So better yet, you don't even have to even carry a wallet, right? You can literally just transact using your cell phone number, which is really all of our unique IDs anyway. It's not like we have 50 cell phone numbers. And the fact that if I forget my password for my bank account, they text me a code. So security-wise, you know, again, if you're finding ways that you can do it where you forget your password for your bank, then um, it's totally acceptable to transact by just using your cell phone number these days. Sure, absolutely. Well, what would you say differentiates your company from your competitors out there? Yeah, so for one, we're agnostic. And that the fact that we play in all these different verticals, for the most part, you're seeing all these text-to-pay companies. You know, they're specializing in just in nonprofits or just in auto. So we're truly agnostic in the sense that we've done all the integrations with all the major acquirers. And we're a company that basically lives behind the scenes in other payment gateways and other acquirers. So in other words, we're not going door to door to try to get the chiropractor or the doctor's office. We're partnering up with the ISV, right? The solution that's in there providing the platform today for the doctor's office and giving them this technology to get to market faster so they don't have to worry about building it themselves. So we like to pride ourselves and going to market as far as with these partnerships and these channel partners. And again, being agnostic where, you know, we can allow ISOs and ISVs to maintain their residuals, not have to interfere with that. You know, our product is a software as a service model. So it really helps create an additional revenue stream for these companies by adding this additional value to their already successful platforms. Okay. So in this scenario, you're selling to an ISV, they're paying you a fee to use your software. Yeah. So they're paying us a fee, basically a monthly fee per customer and they're upcharging it, right? So if they want to add text to pay to their platform, they're going to charge, you know, say their customers an extra $49 a month for two-way text messaging and the ability to collect money through pay by text. Everywhere I'll collect, you know, say $25. And the rest goes to the ISV. And they basically now have this great value-added component to their platform. And now they're able to upcharge it and actually charge a little bit more revenue as well. So it's a win-win. Gotcha. Okay. Well, where do you think the payments industry as a whole is heading in, say, the next two to three years? Yeah, and it's very quickly changing. You know, the fact that, you know, you have companies being rolled up <laughs> at absorbent rate and the fact that you have these two big behemoths in there, with the FISs and the FIs of the world, acquiring these large companies that probably felt like they would never be acquired, like the first data of, of the world pays of, of the world, but they are. So there's a great deal. And then you have all these new payment methods coming on, right? And now you have also cryptocurrency and you're seeing apps like Venmo now where you're starting to buy and transact with it. So it's really just a matter of time where as a consumer, you now have a choice on what payment method and it's a big choice. Like you're going to have the ability to pay in crypto for your haircut. It's just a matter of time. It's going there. There's no stopping it. Really, it's already, you can't take it back now. There's too much money invested in it. So now these younger kids and these millennials and these Gen Zers that are buying up these different currencies, they're going to want to transact using it. So I believe that in the next two to three years, you're really going to see these cryptocurrencies play a much bigger role in our everyday lives and the way that we transact. As a consumer and you're using text to pay, is there a way to choose an alternative payment method besides what you have already have with the merchant or the customer? 
Yeah. So the great thing about it is that you have the ability to choose your payment method at the time when you actually make a payment. So when you get the secure payment link sent to your phone, you open it up and say it's for, you know, again, you're at a restaurant, you're paying at the table. It's right there. You pay, you click on pay your bill. It's going to ask you, would you want to use Apple Pay, Google Pay, or Visa or MasterCard? So it's going to ask you your typical payment method. So you're going to get your choices like you normally do, but you also now have the ability to save and have a default one on your profile where you could just reply using the word yes to a, you know, to a transaction. So you can always change it to a payment method that you're comfortable with at, really at any time, but it's really given you the convenience as a consumer to use a payment method that you're most comfortable with. Okay. And, and you mentioned crypto as something that's going to be somewhat common maybe in the next couple of years. Do you uh, care to get the crystal ball out and, and talk about payments 10 years from now? <laughs> yeah, you know, even payments even further, you know, 10 years from now. I think that we've all been accelerated in technology, especially around payments. The fact that the rate that it's moving out because of the pandemic and COVID, I mean, nobody would have thought that we would become a cashless society almost overnight. But it's true. I mean, for the most part, we just don't carry cash anymore. You know, so fast forward even 10 years from now, right? I believe not only, again, using a mobile number is going to make it super convenient to transact and that's going to you know gain a lot of traction. But I even see further out 10 years from now, that there's going to be one dominant currency, more likely it's going to be a virtual cryptocurrency that's going to be the leader of them all. Because now there's there's too many out there. There's too many choices. So I believe that at some point in the next few years, you're going to see a consolidation and there's going to be this one crypto that just rises to the top. And the reason why it's going to rise, rise to the top is that it's going to be a win-win for the business, the merchant, and it's going to be a win-win for the consumer. And it's going to be totally real-time. In other words, with crypto today, you're not going to have a copy of code or a QR code or any of that. You know, It's going to be totally streamlined and much more advanced than it is today. So I believe in the future, you know, you're going to see one virtual currency really rise to the top. And that's going to be the preferred method, I believe around the globe, not just here in the United States, but I think globally, it'll make more sense probably to use and transact that way. Okay. Okay. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. So you mentioned being in the Navy. So maybe bring us from getting out of the Navy up until where you are today as the founder and CEO there. Yeah. So, you know, coming out of the Navy, basically I headed to Florida and in the Navy, I was developing software to really make aircraft carriers much more efficient at a young age. And if you can imagine, 1995 was the year Windows 95 came out. So it was a big deal. And with Microsoft Office products really, you know, starting to to take off. And, you know, at a young age, basically told myself, man, I just want to be an entrepreneur. I want to build great technology for the future. So I started my own company called Brand Tango, and I had it for about 14 years. And I developed software really for all the major hotel brands that are out there today, from the Hiltons to the Marriott's to the Disney's. I was really the guy behind the scenes that was developing the guest management systems, the sales and marketing systems that would really power these enterprise companies. And really, I had it for about 14 years. And that's really in the hospitality space where I had the aha moment, um, not really knowing too much about payments, but knowing that travel industry in itself, I learned was high risk. And being in that industry, I never thought of it that way. 
But as a payments company, it's considered to be high risk. So basically had that company and we sold it and we started everywhere really to basically focus in on solving the problems around communication and payments. And But prior to that, you know, just developing software has been in my blood since a, a very young age. And so it's exciting, to, you know, again, to be still doing it. And I feel like I'm still young. I'm only 44 years old. So, but again, being an entrepreneur now for about 20 years myself, it's definitely something that's, I had to really focus in on at a young age and um, still great to be doing it today. So Okay. So do you still write code? Yeah, so I actually do. And, and um, I still jump in there and help out wherever I can. You know, as a young company, you tend to wear many different hats. And, you know, I'm one that's always willing to pick up the broom. And funny enough, in our early days of starting everywhere, I had another name for myself. And it was actually, it was actually a, a name in a, in a, that I used to respond to customers with as a tech support person. But really, I was a CEO and founder of the company. But I'm um, in there solving technical problems with code for our clients. And again, being a young company, you know, I didn't want them to know that I was a CEO in their coding, but you know, you have to do what you have to do to make ends meet. And so, yeah, so it was one of those, you know, those, and again, as a young company, you're going to be faced with many different challenges that you're going to have to overcome. And I can understand how difficult it would be to build a tech company and not being a coder, but being somebody that understands it is able to roll up his sleeves and dig in and help out is something that, you know, I even still do today. Nice, nice. So out of curiosity, the company name and just since people are listening, the spelling is E-V-E-R-Y-W-A-R-E everywhere. So curious how you came up with the name. Yeah, you know, so basically, you know, before this, the company was called Be Everywhere. In other words, I wanted everywhere.com. It was taken, right? So, man, but I did, it didn't stop me. So, I basically, if you notice our website, maybe it's online, you'll notice there's an icon there. It's a letter. It actually says B. But the company was called B Everywhere. And I always imagined myself owning everywhere.com and not knowing how it was going to happen. I didn't focus too much on it. But long story short, I'm out in San Francisco and I'm actually coding at a coffee shop. And I was fortunate enough to meet the actual owner of Everywhere.com. And him and I established a great relationship. And basically, he felt like he's had the name for almost 20 years. And he felt like what I was doing right now was groundbreaking and that he wanted to be a part of it. And he uh, he gave me the name. So he actually turned the name over to me. But it was totally random of how, again, owning BeEverywhere.com and then meeting the actual owner randomly in a coffee shop in San Francisco of everywhere.com. And uh, yeah, and he turned over all the copyrights and trademarks. And it was uh, something that, again, you could never imagine, but ultimately um, it happened that way, which was pretty remarkable. (laughs) That's a cool, cool story. What are some things you're passionate about? So maybe, maybe pick one work-related and one personal thing. Yeah, you know, work-related, man, there's nothing better than hard work and going all in especially as an entrepreneur and you believe in yourself and you believe in your idea and your vision and you're going to get turned down a lot more than people are going to say yes to you. No different than me living in Florida, trying to raise money and everyone thinking that it was for retirees and there's no way you can do it here in Boca. Well, guess what? You know, I just changed the scenery, lived and moved to Austin and I was able to overcome those challenges. So I very passionate as an entrepreneur about never giving up, always going the distance, doing, going the extra mile, if you believe in it, it's going to happen. The problem is 
you just might have to wait one more month for it to happen. You know what I mean? And not give up. But uh, chances are that's usually the case where if you just would have stayed in one more day or one more hour even, you might have had a different outcome. So very passionate about that. And then as a, as a father, having three boys, definitely passionate about making sure that my kids have a future, a much better future than, than I ever had. So definitely passionate about making sure that their outcome in life is definitely on the right track. So making sure that, you know, again, you know, being supportive of my family, even at our ages, I, I race dirt bikes. So I'm very passionate about motocross and supercross and all my kids are really into the sport. So. When we're not working, we're usually on a track somewhere. So uh, that's a little bit about my uh, personal side. No, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I, I've raised three girls, so I know nothing about boys. But for us, it was, you know, cheerleading and dance. But uh, <laughs> kind of cool. You're you're doing the dirt bike kind of thing. Yeah, you know, and uh, again, I, we wanted the girl and we tried three times to, to get it. But definitely it wasn't in the cards and my wife got stuck with dirt. So, uh <laughs> Yeah, that's great. So I always ask this question to everyone about your advice for those starting in payments. And it's interesting because, you know, it's a diverse group of people that I talk to some like the last one had been in payments for 30 some years. You've only been in payments a couple of years, but you have a very entrepreneurial background. So the way I kind of preface this question is, you know, I started in payments about 16 years ago. And the word fintech didn't even exist back then. Payments was something that most people stumbled into. No one really started a career in payments. But today, that's a lot different, right? You can go to college today and take fintech courses. The payment space, as you mentioned, I mean, it's a hot space to be in. Now, crypto just adds to it and fintech and all the money being invested in this industry. So just curious, say someone's coming out of college and they're looking to you for some advice about their wanting a career in payments. What would you tell them to do? What would your advice be for them to be successful? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's really my advice probably in, in anything that you do coming out of college is really to, to stay the course. You know what I mean? Is payments is something that you truly believe in and want to be a part of. I mean, there's an evolution and it's constantly changing, no different than quickly overnight it became a cashless society where it really opened up lots of opportunities for young companies to start, you know, thriving and it allowed consumers to kind of think differently about how they transact. And five years ago, maybe in school, this kid wouldn't have thought it had an opportunity or a chance to change or be a part of a new payment method, right? And so I think that these young kids, they have great ideas. It comes down to, are you willing to put in the hard work, right? If you really truly believe that your payment solution is going to be groundbreaking or it's going to introduce change or it's going to be something that you know, everyone's going to want to be a part of, then you got to go all in. You got to see it all the way through, no matter what. And that's what I always say to anyone, you know, that's getting into the entrepreneur space that has big dreams and hopes of being the next Elon Musk is you look at these guys and you look at how much risk these guys take in life and how, how much willing or, you know, they are to, to start over if they have to, right? Or how many times they have failed just to, you know, to make it right. So whether it's getting into the payment space or to another another vertical or space, you have to see it through, right? That's the only way. And going at it 20 years later, I think it's proof. It's taken 20 years to get here. So sometimes it, it just takes that that long. And But you can't give up, right? You have to go, you have to go all in, I, I believe. 
Right. Well, Larry, we've covered a lot of ground today about you, your career, the company, the industry as a whole. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Maybe just a couple of quotes here that I like to think of. You know, one that always comes to mind, and again, I think every you know entrepreneur always sets out to build a unicorn, right? So I always say to myself, you know, always be yourself unless you can be a unicorn, then always be a unicorn, right? So in other words, if you think and feel like you are a unicorn, then be a unicorn, right? Wake up every morning, feel and get that feeling in your brain that you are a unicorn. So, you know, I hope that really inspires or basically sinks into those entrepreneurs' brains that you are what you feel. So if you feel sad, you're going to be sad. If you feel positive every day you wake up, I always say it's better than yesterday. Every day I wake up is better than yesterday. So it's all about mindset. And I think you just set your mind out to it. No different than playing on a sports team. They don't, you know, go out in the field and win that game. They, the, the winning happened from all the practice they, they did leading up to the game. So it's about, you know, what you're willing to put in. And I hope that people that are listening to this that you know are um, looking to start a career in uh, in tech or in payments or in the fintech space, and they're just getting started, that they're willing to put in the hard work, that they're willing to take the nose to get to find because there's always somebody that's going to say yes. It just might take you ten times, but trust me, there's always someone that's going to say yes. Absolutely. Any other final comments? No, I think I think that's it. You know, excited to be here. You know, again, thanks for uh, for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show. I know your time is very valuable, so I really appreciate you being on. Absolutely. Anytime, Greg. I really appreciate it. Okay. And to all you other listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well.